Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. Welcome to the folks that are new. Are you new? Join in. I'm glad you're here. And welcome to the folks that have been with us since like the early, early days when I was interviewing Jane Eastwood and Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek and oh my God, Melanie Scrifano. Those were like the early days of this podcast. And now, oh boy so much more than a podcast. We're a comedy department. We have a script reading series in Toronto and Los Angeles. Oh my gosh, we have an art department. What don't we have? For those folks that are joining us online in the social media world, thank you so much. It sure is fun to get engaged with you, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter, at FirecrackerDEPT, or on our private membership page. We have such great conversations there. Or once a month when I do my Spark Chat on Instagram Live, and I talk to a past guest, and uh, that's super fun too. So thank you so much to everybody who's joining. We have people joining in from Mexico, from Germany, from England, from Malaysia. Uh, Canada and the US of course oh it's just the best I love this world that is becoming so international makes me so happy you know what else makes me happy this guest we have this week that's a segue that's a segue this guest oh my gosh I was a fan of hers before and I'm so thrilled that I got a chance to sit down with her it's Ophira Eisenberg now you'll know Ophira from The Moth where she's a regular storyteller. She's the host of NPR's comedy trivia show, Ask Me Another. She wrote a book called Screw Everyone, Sleeping My Way to Monogamy. I mean, what can't she do? She's a mom, she's a cool lady. I'm just such a huge fan of hers. If you haven't had a chance to listen to NPR's Ask Me Another where she hosts and does interviews, but she also jokes. It's just her, like having listened to the NPR show and then having sat down with her, it's just the same person. She's just a real, just a real, real person, you know? Like, she's not only hilarious, but she's touching. Some of the moth stories are heartbreakingly beautiful, so look her up in the moth world as well. You can find her comedy specials and albums on Amazon and iTunes, so go check her out everywhere. Now, we recorded this interview at NPR, and it's, it's beautiful. I mean, I'm such a fan of NPR, so it was really cool to see, like, the inside scoop there. Uh, we knew each other a little bit, Ophira and I, because we had sort of common friends in Toronto. And then when I was in New York, our lovely Firecracker Comedy Department head, Anne Augustuson, suggested I talk with her. So we made that connection. I just love finding like people that I sort of know on the periphery and then getting to know them on a deeper level. And I just think she's fantastic. You know what's weird is just before she moved to New York, she had like a big sale because she was selling all her stuff and this was ages ago and I met her there too. Weird, hey, how lives kind of twist and wind into each other. I love that. Okay, here she is, my conversation with Ophira Eisenberg. This is, um, it's so funny to sit with you because I feel like you've been in my wheelhouse or my ether for so long. Like. When you, you moved to New York, so we know Albert Howell together. Yeah. And I feel like that's when I first met you was through Albert. Yeah. Because you were just moving to New York. And yeah. you were selling all your stuff on Queen Street. Stuff. Yep. I bought your cedar chairs. Yep. Great. <laughs> are still fantastic. So happy. I know. I'll take a picture and send them so to you. So happy. They're my favorite things. They're at the cottage and they're like these great little chairs. You have a cottage. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other <laughs> gem of it. I mean, I live in America, so every once in a while we go there and it's this... Glorious. And now, because we're friends, you can also go there. Oh, I'm going so to their cottage. <laughs> um, cottage so then you were going to New York. That was like eight, ten years ago. It was, uh, yeah, actually, it was 17 years ago. No. <laughs> the 
Yeah, I guess that makes sense because I was still at Second City. So yeah, 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 yeah. It was a long time ago. So when you made that leap, were you like, I just got to get out of here? You know, I had. I I wish I could bring myself exactly back to that brain frame because I have fragments. Because part of it is was just a blind thing to do. Yeah, like it was just like I want to do this, and there was a. I'm not very good with strategy, but there was a couple little influences. Like I thought I was just at a point in my life age-wise where I was willing to still put up with struggle. Right. Yeah. Still go at 8 o'clock, like, 10 o'clock at night. And, and really, really hustle. Yeah. Because uh, this place required it. I didn't actually understand how much hustle. And I did. I thought maybe I would be making a lateral move or maybe start at a couple points above zero. I didn't understand that I'd be starting at negative 20. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it is. It's real. And yeah, that hustle real. burnout is like... That's real too. Big. And then just the pure money, which I didn't have. Like, uh, so many people I know here is like, I know, it's really hard too. Then my parents bought me an apartment and I was like, it's like a, <laughs> and I was like, parents bought you an apartment? Right? Like that was, you know... So did you have anything you were leaping towards? You just, you'd been doing stand-up. I'd been doing stand-up. Canada. I knew some... I knew a couple people here. Yeah. And you're like, F it, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and see what happens. And I didn't tell anyone. I sold my stuff, obviously, because yeah. I didn't have anywhere to live anymore. But I didn't do... A lot of Canadians, when they leave to go to L.A. or New York, kind of do a going away party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had witnessed many of those. And some of them then came back. Yeah. And that was... I mean, you know, it all worked out fine, but they felt weird about it, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, you have to... If you're going to go back to Toronto or back to Canada, which there's no shame in that, if you want to do, like, if you go to America and you give it a shot and you're like, no, not for me, or... Although, because Toronto has such an interesting relationship with LA and New York, you know, people leave with a kind of, like, I've made it, see you later, and the rest of you maybe one day will be me. Right. And then if they come back and have to admit, like, that's the problem. It's yeah. just the tone of how it all goes. Right, right, right. As opposed to, I may see you later. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to give this a shot. Who knows? Yeah. Right? Which but is what it, you were doing. Yeah, so I didn't tell anyone or I didn't tell a lot of people because I was so afraid of failing. I thought you were so <laughs> bold. When I met you, I was like, she's going to take over the world. I just thought I was so enamored because I was just starting out at Second City. I can't believe I said eight years ago because it was obviously But, but you know, I do time. seven, eight years for almost all increments of time. <laughs> right. I'm always like, that right. happened like six, seven years ago. And then someone will be like, it was 25. Plus was 10, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I remember meeting you and just thinking that it was so bold and that America was so big. Big. Although but, New York is the only place I've lived in America and relatively small. I mean, it gets smaller, right? The longer you're here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. I know. It really, you understand sometimes why uh, they call parts of this city villages. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah there is a it's village. It's like Toronto, thing where you yeah. find yourself your little pocket. And you and, get to know everybody. Yeah. And it doesn't feel. But there's so much transition here. Yeah. People come and go and come and go and come and go. Right. A lot. Right. Because it's hard to sustain. Yeah. And so how did you find that when you first were here? So you realized the hustle was real and Intense. big. Yeah. Did you kind of go, oh, I got to dig in? Or were you like, I made a huge mistake? <laughs> I was really, so I would say the first year I kind of was, you know, I was into it and I was figuring it out. And it was exciting. Yeah. Uh, and I made some friends and I got some spots. Um, I was obviously not making any money. I was working day jobs. Mm -hmm. um, what was your day job? 
I worked in clothing stores doing retail for a while. Like first I did not have status. Right. So I was working under the table. Right. And then I got status and I was working doing sales at a like telephone sales basically right. at a I, for an IT company. Right. And then I started I was doing I, some IT in Toronto. And so then I was I a comic actually started an IT business and hired me as a you know basically IT consultant. Yeah. And wow, so, so you had IT to go to. Like a yeah, lot of comics are like, well, I have my waitering skills to go to. Yeah, I, I could never, I was too clumsy for waitering. It was too hard. Maybe I couldn't not. figure it out. Me too. But in IT, I didn't go to school for it. But I, you know, on a certain level, I guess, I, I mean, it sounds so arrogant, but I guess I just kind of understood it or there was something about the very logical problem solving okay. of a lot of that, that you, you end up learning steps and they kind of repeat themselves. I never was able to do super high end. Yeah. But I could do a lot of just user-based. You just figured it out. I just figured it out. And I had people that would teach me. Right. But yeah. there's also a want behind that. Like, people would teach me IT stuff, and then I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I like to find myself so yeah. So you obviously yeah. have, like, just, an interest, passion there. In there was there something somewhere. in there, something very gratifying about, like, right. you do A, B, C. Yes. Like, sort of like baking, how people love baking. Yes. Or, you know, you put these things together, and then you get this result. And because if you did it right, you got the right results. Very gratifying. I get Art that. doesn't work so much like that. Which so it must have really I'm, that part of my brain that was like, if I just do these things, I you know almost like math. Yeah, it will just end up with this. Yeah, they say that artists need to make um, order out of chaos. Right. Because I mean, there's nothing more satisfying than organizing like Greatest. your spice drawer or like, right. Right. And because that's our brains, you're gonna go. I have this big idea. Now, how am I going to start? Yeah, how do I start? Yeah. So I did. So I did that for quite a few years while I was figuring out how to make money in New York. But it was there was more than once uh, that I felt like I just wasn't making any strides in yeah. the comedy community. That yeah. I didn't know my place. That it was too hard. I, you know, I couldn't. I, I had little things that would propel me every once in a while. Very soon into moving here, I was on a little package show they used to have on Comedy Central uh, called Premium Blend. Yeah. It was just, you know, six-minute kind of sets yeah. for but comics. But a little victory. There was a little victory that yeah. felt like I was moving in the right direction, but then there would be just lengths of time where just rolling around, trying to get past different clubs, trying to maybe go on the road with someone yeah. to do failing, dying on stage. There's that, too, right? There's, there's, there's the too. hustle, but then there's also your craft. Right? Yeah, that meeting agents be. and them sort of being like, eh, I don't really know what to do with you, you know, and then some being like, oh, this is sort of interesting. Uh, and then just the utter expense of then I, I had the cheapest rent of all time, but it was still $1,000 a month. Oh, my God. And how to make how it. How do you do that, right? Yeah, so I was, um, you know, people use the metaphor I was brought to my knees, but I remember honestly just falling to my knees and crying. Yeah. <laughs> Many times. I get it. I mean, <laughs> many times. I feel like that's not far away constantly. <laughs> sorry. Do you know? Like, yeah. I feel like there's all there's the moment that, and then you you dig deep and you find like what what was the thing that made you go? I gotta keep going. Well, sometimes I I would. I mean, there was just there's just pure uh, inertia of the human soul. Right. <laughs> yes. Right? yes. And there is also yes. you know and I was like, well, where am I gonna go? Like, right. I that's also the other thing. Like, what am I gonna do? What, go back to next? Toronto? Go back to Toronto. I mean, and I was like, maybe or maybe I'll go to Vancouver again or you know. So I didn't really have the exit plan figured out. Right. Uh, so sometimes it. Um, you know, actually, at the Vancouver airport, 
there is a sign that maybe it exists at every airport, but at the Vancouver airport, it was very specifically worded, and, I, and I've seen it again and again, and it is whatever airline you have to take to go through this departure, oh, sorry, arrival corridor to get to baggage, and I guess it's a little windy, and it, there's a sign that just at one point says, please keep moving forward. <laughs> And I always I thought of that. that. Yeah. I was like, that's so that's the only reason that I, I, you know, I would just go, all right, let's just, yeah, let's just take one more step forward yeah. and did, see what happens next. And did you have cheerleaders smaller. at the time that were like, cheerleaders? Does anyone in stand up really have cheerleaders? <laughs> that's a really good point. I don't know, because stand up's a super pretty singular activity. I mean, no yeah. one, no. Because I'm in the improv world, right? Where everybody's like, we need each other to mm -hmm. move forward. Whereas stand-up is like... Yeah, I, I mean, I this. had friends, but there's no one there that was like, you need to do this no? next show. Or there's nobody no. that was like, you keep going. No, it's no. not like that. Not even like your folks or like... Definitely not my folks. They weren't like, they were like, come home. Yeah, they were just like, what are you doing? Right, which is the when you're on your knees, the last. Thing I mean, it's sort of like you made all these decisions. You tell me what happened. Right, <laughs> right. That must have been really isolating. Yeah, I mean, it's not the greatest, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, uh, I get. I always wanted a mentor. I've always, always, me always, too. always wanted a mentor. Part of me thinks, part of me thinks it's an age thing, like the actual years in which I was. Uh, going through like in my 20s when that's like kind of prime mentor yeah. time it just there wasn't such a thing there wasn't such a tradition yeah especially in the world like to be a woman in comedy there yeah. was only one other and that person was like could you not start because then you might take a job from the me because there's right. one job right oh my gosh so, so did you actively seek a mentor like, no I didn't know how to yeah even now like I was like I'd love to have like my mom has dementia so I'd love to have a wise woman yeah. to tell me what it's gonna be. Always, I want. And um, I find my mentors are more like in their twenties and thirties. I'm like, wow, you're doing that, right? But they can't tell me what it's like to be seventy. So no, <laughs> I know. And you know, I think too, I would look for it a little bit wrongly for the from the guys I dated. Right, right. Uh, and they were the worst at that. They were just had. I mean, even. Even the man I'm married to, who is supportive, still didn't know how to do that, I think, nurturing kind of support right. that I really wanted. That's very funny. I think, um, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I mean, that I think I really yearn for. And then what, you know, what ends up happening uh, is that one day you wake up and you go, you know what? I don't need anyone's approval or to tell me that I'm good. Yeah. It's, go I have to do it. Yeah. Do you I remember that moment? Do you remember that? I mean, I feel like it, it comes in and out yes. all the time. But I, I do, there was a certain point, and I think it was, you know, I'm going to guess it was about nine years ago. I'm going to say, like, so kind of halfway a little bit right. into my movie. So here. eight, seven years ago. Yeah, where I, right, eight, seven years yeah. ago, where I, I'd done a certain amount of stuff. I think I was starting to make, yeah, I was starting to make a um, modest living yeah i had some credits yeah yeah and just you know it's like that thing i don't know if this happens in improv but as a stand-up if you feel insecure about your set uh and insecure about your show sometimes so you show up somewhere and you look at the audience and you go oh my god i i just know i don't have anything for these people like you judge right. them as a group 
and you decide what they're into right. and that it's not what you do yeah. and what's going to happen. And you go through this whole thing about like, oh, if only I knew how to play guitar. If only right. I had jokes about golf. Like, I don't right. know, just yeah. like if only yeah. I had... Start doubting everything. Start yeah. doubting everything and going through like... And a sort of a weird panic I've had where I, for a brief second I think I can write a new act oh within 30 seconds right. while yeah. my name is being called. Uh, and because one guy has a golf shirt in the front row, yeah, like, maybe he likes golf. Yeah, they just you're you're like immediately you're like they're not my people, right? Not even knowing what your people are, perhaps, right? Uh, but then uh, I think you know that's just no way to, that's no way to live, no. and it's super hard to uh, perform like that. And I was also always just completely impressed and jealous of performers that seem to get up on stage uh, and really have no confidence problem to the point where it almost seemed tone deaf. I was like, I would love that. Right. They're like, this is my set. This is my set. This is who I am. And like, why wouldn't you like it? Yeah. So, you know. I've heard that before with stand-ups going like, they're not picking up what I'm laying down. And that's just the way it goes. That's just the way it goes. And at one point, uh, I really, you know, started talking to myself and saying things like, this is who you are. This is what you have to offer. You're not doing stand-up because it's a great paying job for you at this point. You, you picked this medium to express yourself because you think you have something to say through it. So that's the job. Say what you want to say through it. And if it doesn't work, I guess at some point you'll have to make a different plan. But right now, this is what you have to offer. You're not a different person. And this is the plan. So find out what happens. Yeah, get you know? to work. But you, I had to say that all and all over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Then someone also told me that Judy Garland, this is, you know, it could be myth. I've never fact-checked it or have a way to. <laughs> I'll get my fact checked. But yeah, well, sure. NPR is a big <laughs> fact-checking place. I'm always like, oh, this is a tribute to this person, but who knows. Uh, that Judy Garland would stand behind backstage before a performance and she would uh, get ready to go on and basically, you know, behind the, the velvet curtain, grasp one side of each side of the curtain in her fists and just go, Fuck them, fuck them, fuck them. <laughs> and then throw the curtains open wow. and be like, hello, everybody. That makes complete sense to yeah. me. Like the days when I can say fuck them, fuck them, fuck them are much more powerful than when the days are like, oh, should I change this about That's right. myself to suit this? As well? like, this is who I am. This is who I am. And I think there's like, you know, I like the fuck them, fuck them, fuck them because mm -hmm. it's really like, you don't have the power, I have the power. Right. So let's just remind you how this is going to go. I love that. Where did you get that? Well, it's just an authority thing, right? Yeah, that's but why... like that must have, you could have some good genes. <laughs> like that's a gene thing to like, <laughs> A, know who you are, right? Like sometimes it takes people a lifetime to figure out what this is that they're offering. Sure. And B, to yeah. be able to have the fuck em, fuck em, fuck em confidence. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm always working on it. It right. never, it never um, settles back to there. It yeah. always settles back to the... I wish I could change my act. I want to be a different person. You guys, please like me so we can all move on together. And then you have to, I have to try really hard to just get to the fuck em, fuck em, fuck em. Uh, but I think there's a better balance. There's like a, I don't quite like doing fuck em, fuck em, fuck em. Totally. I, I like doing like, fuck you, trust me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, like yeah. Just come on board. Yeah. And it's way better now but I also felt for a very long time in the time I was developing on stage 
I, as a woman, you did not have automatic authority like a man does when he goes out on stage. Man goes out on stage and everyone's like, we're being taken care of. How are we being taken care of? I cannot wait. Of course, this man has my attention. I'm used to go like basically um, bowing down to a man because he is in a position of authority. And then you go on a woman and everyone's like kind of rattly and yeah. like uncomfortable. Why is she cooking? And how is yeah. this going to work out? <laughs> right. Like, how is this going to work out? And is this going to remind me of my girlfriend, my mom? Like, it's so much better now. But that's so you had the first two minutes of your act. You were in a hole and you had to convince everybody that you had authority, that you were worth listening to. And that you had something that they would like. Yeah. Uh, How did you do that? Like, because that's a very self-aware and um, connected to your audience kind of opinion. So how did you, did you change anything to seize that authority at all? Uh, I think, I mean, my voice has always been pretty low. Right. But I really thought about register because I have a tendency to always go high and breathy um, when I'm nervous. Yeah. I think everybody does. Yeah. Uh, so just like keeping, you know, like just physical things like, oh, yeah, put your feet on the fucking ground. Right. Stop pacing. Stop pacing just give or a... like sort of being off balance, teetering between one or the other. And, you know, it sounds simple, too, but I would be like, look at them in the face and smile and, and know your first line. Right. Just know your Get first your line. first joke. And you know, it's probably going to be throwaway. Yeah. So don't expect that to like burn the house down. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a very, I mean, is that in the world of fake it till you make it? Because you must have also dealt with nerves. Oh God, yeah, sure. So how do you? I get nerve. I'm I have nerves. Not in improv so much because improv I'm like, I feel more like it's a party. Yeah, like improv, like we're just gonna hang out for an hour, we're gonna right. have some laughs because it's in like we connect with the audience. But when I'm speaking, I get real nervous. Mm-hmm. So how do you? Put that in a place that you can do that. I'm going to look in the eyes, hold my ground, and be who I am. I mean, just pure, utter, and repetition. This is why you yeah. do it over and over and over and over again. But I do all that mental talk before. I do, you know, like, you know, the kind of fuck them. The, uh, I, you know, I have something to say. This is who I am. Like, I'm not going to spontaneously combust on stage. Right. Sometimes I do the thing of, like, what if this was the worst show anyone ever saw in right. their entire life? And then sort of like, and who cares? Right. Like, that would kind of suck, I suppose. But what are the real repercussions of that? Mm, might not get the next job? Possible. But I mean, even that's yeah. pretty rare. I just have this imagination that it, like, I'll go, well, what happens if this is the worst show ever? And that person is in the audience that is going to tell that other person, and I'll never work again, and yeah. I'll never be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, that's that's very common. And I, then you just work that backwards, and you go, is that... But then, I mean, listen, I we've both seen people fail and nosedive all yeah. over the place. And, and I remember those. Yeah, sure, sure, <laughs> I do too. But, you know, did it... Um, you know, it just, it happens, I think, in the moment. For, first of all, uh, <laughs> 9,000 thoughts. Still like, yeah. You know why they put mirrors on near elevators I don't I always think just because my hair is a little bit wonky before going into because people will just stare at themselves and they forget about time because uh, right. everyone's just enamored of themselves right. so the fact that my failure could possibly surpass someone's brain about thinking about themselves is right. hilarious yeah. and very narcissistic that's the LA theory of like don't worry about what you're wearing because everybody's too concerned they're about what they're themselves. wearing and, yeah uh, and I think if you are going to fail, you better make it a colossal failure. You like make it something yeah. that your name is thrown around for years. Right. 
Right, I love that. The worst is if you just sort of not do well, and then you feel crap because you're like, that just was like a, a it wasn't a F, it was a messy. Like, yeah, right. Like that's what you're trying to work. I either do an F or an A. Do an F or an A. Right. Or a B plus is fine too. <laughs> I was a B plus student at best. So uh, has there ever been a time on stage where you're like, okay, I'm just gonna go for it? Do you remember like, and then it just bombs? Oh yeah, sure. And was it like, did you somewhat feel victorious in that bomb? Uh, have I ever felt victorious in a bomb? <laughs> I think there have been times where it's been so bad. There is yeah. a moment of like sort of internally smiling of like, this is ridiculous. Right, right. yeah. Like this is shows. ridiculous. And they're not so much, I don't find those happen so much at like the clubs I know right. and love in New York. It's sort of a, it's a sort of one-off situation where maybe you're at a private party and you took that gig or you're out of town and you know, you're at a situation yeah. where something kind of extreme is happening yeah. anyway, because for the most part, after you've been doing it for a while, you, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Like the idea of the a muscles. colossal bomb right. is, is, um, yeah, it doesn't happen as much. It would have to be a pretty extreme circumstance, which will happen. Yeah. Extreme circumstance. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah, it's like someone's birthday. The crowd is drunk out of their head. Right. There was a distraction. The person before you, something. Like, you know, there are yeah. scenarios. Have you ever had a joke that you're like, I'm going to try this, and then you realize this audience is not? Oh, yeah. I mean, last night. Yeah? Sure. What was the joke? Oh, it was just, I think it was for this audience, it was a small, sparse. I'm going to be totally mean to them. They were a small, sparse, lovely crowd, but I thought I, I got them to a point where I was like, all right, now you can listen for one that's totally for me. Right. And I felt like I did something that was over their heads. Right. Okay. And then I was like, no, that's too bad. But You're good. those people. Right. You're lovely, but you didn't get this part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, was it that I made too much of a jump? Because sometimes when you tonally, you know, when you lead... It's very easy to get laughs through, you know, sex. That's right. why, all, you know, sometimes women are charged in comedy with the thing about like, oh, you ever do is talk about sex and relationships. The only way to get laughs. Right. And then part of you go, yeah, well, is that my fault? Right. Or is that the fault that that's all audiences want to consume? Right. right like right, right. there's also we need to make the shift together. <laughs> Yeah, did you feel like your set has shifted? Of course, it's yeah, grown. sure, yeah. Like, and what, I'm autobiographical, so yeah, yeah. As my life has shifted, it has shifted. So, what do you think as you um, like, as far as like when you first started as to now? Because you're talking about how that woman was like, don't, don't go on before me because there's only place for one woman. Yeah, and, right. And so, obviously, it's changed. What would yeah, you I mean, feel? I, that's uh, even women I know in New York. We run into each other. It's so much better now because we used to run into each other and be like, why do we never see each other? Right. And why was it? Because there's only one woman on a lineup. Right. So you're never going to see another woman. Right. Now it's so much better. Yeah. I even did a headline show that was just three women. Right. You know, MC, middle, headliner. Uh, and what's great is when no one bills it as that. Right. I love that. I love no seeing one it talks as not about like a it. female show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Humorous uterus. Right. You know? <laughs> is that really the name of the show? No, I, I did buy that. I bought humorousuterus.biz as a website for a while because yeah. I thought it was very funny. We yeah. use it as a joke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. it was it was available. Just so you know. <laughs> Go figure. Or right. .tv. Can't remember. Anyways. Um, yeah. So now, right now, I feel like it still has a long way to go. Yeah. But, and I don't know so much what it's like in every town because I live in New York yeah and sometimes I have friends visit from other places and they go 
They're like, this is the future. Really? Yeah, I'll be, you know, we'll just be at a restaurant. I'll be like, I'm so sick of this song. And they'll be right. like, no, 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 this song hasn't even happened yet. Right, 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 right. You're living in the future. <laughs> yeah. So there's some parts of it uh, that are like that. But no, I think the general zeitgeist is much better. There's more diverse lineups. Yeah. There's more... Uh, there's more women, uh, uh, so there's more people of color, and there's more women, and there's just more voices in general, uh-huh. which makes for such a better show. And honestly, the best audience is totally diverse. Like someone asked yeah. me to do a show that was, you know, for basically all men, and I was like, why does anyone think that is going to be good? Right. I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. What do you think is, what do you think the next curve is here? Like, you said it's getting better, it's getting... So what's the next thing for it I to think, be better at? Well, yeah, I think it's when when we... You know, just like that thing about... The, I was still surprised that all-female show wasn't billed as an all-female right. show. Yeah. And I think if, if that would be great. If just all... I know there's a marketing angle mm-hmm. that people want to jump on to get people to a show where it's like the this of comedy or the those people of comedy or aren't you excited that this person who has the same background as you is doing a show right you're gonna relate to them it's relatable but I I go to shows um, and I don't share the same background gender point of view race as other people and I still enjoy their comedy right so I feel it's possible possible. yeah and if they do like it wasn't like this when you grew up and it wasn't like for that for me I can still listen like enjoy the material and find I mean we've been doing with white guys forever so so this is interesting so I had a moment where I went back in time a little bit and I was like oh my god am I part of the problem am I not a good feminist uh because I was doing a show in Minneapolis uh, and I was at, I was it was my show uh, doing stand up for an hour, and I was asked to pick my opener. You know, they sent I, they said, "Who would you like to open for you?" I said, "Well, I would love a woman to open for me." So they sent me clips of some three local comics uh, to look at their clips, and I just looked at them, and I was like, "All right, you know, these are all pretty good. I picked this woman just because you know there was a few jokes of hers that I thought were really excellent, and yeah. I was like, interesting. So, and then life is quick and crazy and chaotic and time moves on and then I get to the show and this woman shows up my opener super nice but I'm looking at her and we we there's probably 10 years difference in age between us uh but she is like she has a very similar haircut to mine with bangs right and tells me that she has a three-year-old son and I have a three-year-old son. Oh, no. And I had this moment of like, oh, my God, in your 15 minutes before I come on stage, you're going to burn through all the same setups and premises right. for all the material. And then I'm going to have to go up there and be like, I, she was just talking about right. And I had this whole breakdown of like, I should have picked someone more different. Like, right. I need to pick right, right, like right, right. someone who is totally like a guy who's like gay, who's a person. And then I had... I was like, what do I do? What do I do? Should I intensely watch her act and then scribble anything from my head? Oh my God, now you're writing golf jokes. Now I'm writing golf jokes. And then I had to go back, calm the fuck down, and go, how many shows in your life have you watched of comedy where it's three bald white guys in hoodies, one after the next, basically all telling some version of dick jokes and whatever, you know, covering the same territory. Yeah. Nobody would blink an eye. Right. Like, let her do it. Let her do. I was like, this person's her own person. Right. She has her own act. Like, what are you doing to yourself? Uh, And you know what? I listened to her act because I was still curious. Yeah. Because I had no 
This is the first time this happened to me, so I was like, well, let's see how it plays out. But I was like, don't switch a thing. You're not switching a thing. Yeah. This is what's happening. Let's interact. And she was great. And of course, it was totally different. Yeah. And of course, she had her own perspective. And of course, we had like some things that were similar, but not similar enough that anyone had to care or would think about it or go like, huh, I heard two jokes about bangs right. or whatever. <laughs> like, right, right, right. So it was so ridiculous. Yeah. But obviously, I have internalized the same stuff that I'm fighting against. Yeah, I get that though. I get like, like we have trained ourselves away from what our actual beliefs are. That I think I'm a really good feminist, and then I write a script. And I'm like, ugh, I don't like any of these female roles, right? right? And then you're like, I gotta rewrite the roles. What's wrong with me? Yeah, and part of the reason, you know, one of one of the reasons uh, I think people justified forever not having more than one woman on a show was because they would say, well, the, you'll cover the same material. Right. We're just going to talk boobs and periods yeah. and boyfriends. Yeah. yeah, right. So you'd fight against that, and then I end up in the scenario, and I was, yeah. So it yeah, was... That's interesting. It was a learning moment. Yeah. Oh, and, it, and, it was, and it was good to, you know, just remember how... Yeah, you just you have to... You always got to fight. Yeah. So when did you make... Because I know you do a lot of moth yeah. stories, too. So yeah. that's... Was that a specific term for you? Was that a conscious ch- turn? Uh, they're not all jokes. They're not, not all not. jokes. So I always, sort you know, I had, a, luckily, no, everyone has had a tragedy in their life, I'm sure, yeah. of some degree or another. Uh, and so because I survived a car accident when I was young yeah. and went through some different things that were very impactful to my identity and my life, you know, I, I'd written about them. Sure. In some form. And I, I didn't really know what to do with them. When I moved to New York, very much like in Toronto, there was a strong trend, I think really also for women, of doing solo shows. Right, yes. Whether they were comedic or poignant or right. usually a combination. Like uh, Sandra Seamus. Sandra Seamus yes. was like the, right, the hero yeah. of the solo show. Yeah. And in New York, there used to be a theater called the West Beth Theater, where a lot of comics were doing solo shows. They would go to festivals. It was like a whole thing. Yeah. And that sort of went away. I think it's coming back a bit. Yeah. But it sort of went away uh, as just taste change as they do. Uh, but at the, at the same time, I a friend of mine uh, brought me to something called The Moth. And I was in this room and it was these short form personal narrative stories. Some very funny. Some Love like it. very, very funny. And some, you know, heartbreaking or um, really intense five minutes like open mic style. Yeah. Uh, and the, cre- I mean, the room was electric. Oh the moth rooms are just amazing. Electric. Yeah. And I just wanted to be part of it. And I felt like I had material. Like I also was like, oh, this is where this stuff that I yeah. have would fit because I couldn't fit it on the stand up stage. No. And I didn't really know what to had do. Had you ever with tried? That. You know, there were times, not not anything with like the car accident or, or whatever, but there were times where I guess I did. I remember someone giving me a critique of my act afterwards, which was always fantastic. Right. Was that like another comic? For it? No. no. And they Thank said, you. Can uh, you give me some notes? They, and they would say this a lot about women that might, you know, the style was very conversational. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Or, <laughs> right, that it was like longer pieces right. of. So at I, at the time that was was bad because everyone was really just leaning into writing joke jokes right like jokes one liners jokes uh, and I was sort of somewhere in between uh, all of this is like a mood point I wish I just never listened to anyone and right. I had the laser focus to just 
you know, which I guess I ultimately did, but I made a many pit stops of uh, worrying and uh, reevaluating. Yeah, I mean, as you way. do, and as we will, as you right. do. But once I got on that moss stage, and you know, just open mind, putting my name in my in the hat, hoping to get picked, and got up there. You know, I was pretty good. I wasn't great, but yeah. I was pretty good. But what was really important to me is because that style, you can't. It's a different tone than stand up. Yeah, right. Because you're, uh, matter of fact, if you get up on those, I find that if you get up on those storytelling stages with your you know sort of like your game face and your persona and try to do some bits it falls flat it sure does yeah but if you are up there and open and tell the story and let the comedy happen and let the vulnerability happen because that's really important to you know figure out a way to express the vulnerability of what happened to you in the story that makes it worth telling the challenge what you were up against what was at risk uh that you were facing because that's really the crux of the story yeah uh then the audience even if they didn't experience that exact same thing they are connected to the emotional value of that because everyone knows what it's like to feel desperate or lost or thirsty or you know they understand that so then they are with you and then you you can talk about your triumph or failure yeah and having to do that made me honestly find my voice. Yeah. Because I think I was still trying to understand who I was or what I was like, am I like the fun, crazy girl or am I, you know, but I didn't. And I was trying to um, categorize myself because I think that was a very popular thing at the time, too, to walk into a casting director's office and give them the one line description of who you Right. are yeah and I just didn't really relate to it so I kept trying to find my pigeonhole I was like am I the girl next door am I the wacky friend right. am I the um and then you sort of wait for somebody to tell you what you are and wait for someone casting right as opposed to you know knowing who you are like what we were talking yeah about and before. I don't I still don't know if I have the the sentence but I don't care anymore yeah, 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 yeah. because I just figure out what my voice was so then when I went out in the stand-up stage I could just go, well, this is me. Like, this is actually me. Yeah. And it's harder for an audience to hate someone who is just them. Right. Like, they still might not relate to the material or find something particularly funny, but they can. it's so much easier for an audience to turn on someone who is hiding because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then it just feels like we're all in this artifice. and They're like, just faking it anyway. Just faking it anyway, yeah. so who cares? Did you find your stand-up changed? It got, it got way better. <clears throat> and and yeah. I took way more risks with what I wanted to say. Because, why? Because you were being yourself? Because I had more confidence right. in who, in what I had to present. Yeah. Yeah, and it just felt better. Like, I was just like, oh, now we can do this. Yeah. I didn't cut myself off. Right. There's such different communities, right? The stand-up community and then the mom yeah, community. Yeah, they, they have more and more overlap. Overlap at times but they are very yeah a lot of stand-ups are always contacting me and going like how do i do the moth which is like sort of funny yeah because there's no way to do do the, the moth. moth you just like well do you do storytelling do you talk <laughs> yeah do you tell stories <laughs> you about yourself but they do have a specific i think they do kind of have a formula as to what is a moth story right even though it's just you know it's most of it's just a classic story good story structure yeah yeah, um, and I, I I love them. I've been yeah, and, and, them for so long. And the great thing about it is that you know they've certainly had tons of funny people uh, of all kinds of levels, famous people and and people you know just working people etc. Big names, small names, 
uh, and they are good about not having them tell like just the the romp right like telling something that is really close to them and real yeah that has plenty of funny moments I think that's very gratifying yeah I always and I always love the randomness of the moth too where like suddenly out of the night somebody will get up and go um, I wasn't really planning on telling a story, but here we go. The best. Because I they, posted these. Yeah. So then I started hosting yeah, the Yeah, so you slams. headline now, which is amazing. I don't headline. I, I host. Or host? Oh, yeah, yeah. They don't call it headline. They don't do anything like that. Yeah. They, it's, it's like, like you host them because you, you also have jokes, so it's a nice way to Yeah, host. I'll do like sorbet in yeah. between. So if yeah. someone tells something like really intense, but, you know, we got to clear the stage right. metaphorically before the next person comes on stage. Yeah. That's like, you know, my my job too in between but yeah it's i love it on those slams where someone gets up i mean often in new york they are visiting from another place yeah and they're just like i don't know i was on vacation i love listening to the month podcast and so i came in throw my name in the head and here i know, am and sometimes english is like their 15th language I like because most people from other places in the world have a thousand languages yeah. under their belt yeah yeah uh so there's just like english another layer of being impressed because they are especially someone who does humor in any other language than you know their first one is it's extreme yeah extremely difficult do you speak other languages i don't i speak like <laughs> french canadian Ish. french yeah yeah so then when did uh, npr uh, come about for so i auditioned here? for the npr show seven years ago okay that's really seven years ago. yeah thanks uh, finally my year yeah yeah that was really seven years ago uh and got it and so that was just random, like I saw this because like I I've like you were doing stand up, you were hosting, you were doing moth stuff. And it wasn't ever like acty acty. No. Does that ever did that ever? I always yeah, you? I would love to do more acting. I just felt um and I did some acting here and there in Toronto. Yeah. Uh and you know Drowsy some, Chaperone. Drowsy Chaperone. Uh and some uh like a independent film here and there here, but I honestly I just felt like I had to channel my energy right yeah and acting I would love to actually lean back into it and go to acting classes yeah. and get those muscles going but I just was you know here's what I'm focusing on which was enough yeah yeah you spent a lot of plates yeah so the yeah the NPR audition was not something that came about uh, I mean this is this is the takeaway from this okay be nice to everyone you work with I mean, be nice to everyone you work that with. That should just feel you never, given. But you never but know you never where know. you're getting your next job. Yeah. So in this case, um, they had, I guess they had been auditioning for a long time. And they were going, mostly taking comics. And then at one point, they they really um, decided that they wanted a woman. So then they were looking for funny women. And my name did not come up. But the sound engineer from The Moth, who had heard me in his head, and great guy, uh, Paul Ruest, four years, was their sound engineer no as well. And said, well, have you seen Ophira Eisenberg? And they said, no, who is that? And he said, well, you should bring her in. Wow. I love stories like that. That's and so, so they brought cool. me in and they were like, yeah. You're kind of the best person for the job, to be honest. You, <laughs> I'll take that. Your jokies, you got the jokes, but you also have heart and curiosity. Which aren't always together. I appreciate that. It, there is, um, because this job, and there's some other jobs like this, require something I call positive comedy, which okay. is super hard. Like, being critical yeah. and making jokes about that is way easier. Right. 
because then you're just poking, that's poking fun. You're poking fun, you're dismantling, you're, you know, unpacking, but doing it positive yeah. is really hard. Yeah, you're right. I I have to listen to some comics with that kind of uh, filter on. It's like, where is their positivity? It's like? really hard. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So because I have these vulnerable contestants on stage who have never, we've never shared a stage before and right. I'm asking them questions and although there's not money at stake, their integrity and yeah. worth and everything is at stake. Yeah. Everything for them is at stake. And some of them love being on stage. Some of them don't particularly like it. Yeah. So I can't, I can't. It's come a great down format though. Hard on They're them. very protected. Yes. It feels like, you know, that no matter what they say, you've got jokes standing by. That's so. right. Yeah. And I try to take care of them because so that, I like, don't want them to fail. Right. God, no. No. God, no. So that must have been a turn though for you to suddenly have an office. Yeah. How is that? Oh, yeah, I yeah. don't like an office. I heard that you're only here like three or four days a week now. Yeah, That's two or three. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... That's right. I mean, how do you navigate that in your creative world that super you have hard. an office? Yeah, <laughs> super I get hard. it. Sometimes, yeah. like, with the, the firecracker department, people are like, one day we'll have offices. And I'm like, I don't know. No. I mean, you need... A, I mean, I, one, this is a news organization. So the fact sure. that I was like, I'm just going to come in a few days a week. They were like, what? Right, but, right, know, right, right. But also, I was like, otherwise, I'm just doing my own thing. Like, I, I, am, a work, I am a worker. I've yeah. always been a worker. So yeah. I... You just, just did stand up do last night. The job, yeah. So I come into the office. Obviously, we have lots of team meetings. We do lots of creative meetings. There's a, we now have over the years of the show, we have a pre-production schedule for every show, and there's a post-production schedule for every show. I am mostly involved in the pre-production, and then of course the execution right. of the show, which is a live show. So that happens at night. Yeah. Uh, but then the post-production. I, I weigh in a little bit, but that's, you know, the editing and mixing and yeah. choosing and uh, massaging that all together. I, I don't have... Well, a there's big... probably not a lot for you to say. Like, you did your work in front of a live audience. That's like... right. And it's, I mean, is it, I as a host, I could listen to every word I say and be like, yeah, but you don't want to do that. I don't want... I just saw your eyebrow arch. Oh, yeah, gosh. yeah, I don't want to do that. So then I start working on the next one. Right. Yeah. So, but, and then you, your life had to switch to having... This plate that you spin, like yeah, I, that's I, right. you're, you know, you're a woman after my own heart because you look like you spin a lot of plates, and you're still doing your stand up. Yeah. So is that always crucial to you to maintain that muscle? Because you could have just gone, you know what, I'm diving into this. Well, that's interesting you say that because I could do that. Yeah. But this show tapes 30 shows a year. Right. And when I first got the job, there was, you know, because this is a sort of new territory for NPR and hiring someone like me is new territory for them. Right. Uh, as, a, as like a staff member, right? right. I'm not a freelancer or I'm a staff member for them as a host. And so they were, you know, a little like, well, we should... We need to okay your outside engagements. Oh, right, because that's yeah. what they're used to. I mean, yeah. yeah, and I was like, well, that's first of all, you you don't want to do that. It's just way too much work. Yeah, because I'm gonna be like, can I do New York Comedy Club at nine o'clock on yeah. Thursday, and then can I do a eleven o'clock at the cellar? Like, right, you know, but, but also, they, you don't want that. You don't want somebody to let you know when you can work. No, but they didn't understand. Oh, they thought it was it, a they, different. It's like they're thinking more on the idea of, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, uh, Robert Siegel, right. Long, retired, but yeah. Robert Siegel. No, a lot of people think and, you as the female sure. Robert Siegel. And I'm going to sure. go, you know, I'm going to go do a keynote or right. I'm going to do a speaking engagement, you know, so they want, oh, okay, that because right. of course they'll be like, what is it out of college? Is it? But I was like, no, 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 I just, I'm like working. So the way I describe it, which is the way I still think about it is if you want me to run a marathon 
30 times a year, you gotta let me train. Yeah. If I don't train, I'm gonna come out on that stage looking like I need to stretch a bit. That is and so you, smart of you though. But that's like your own self care. But that's the truth. That's not somebody else going, hey, you gotta make sure you work out. But that's the truth. Yeah. I know when I'm not on stage for a I couple agree. weeks, I'm rusty and I gotta get, and all the old bad tendencies come back. Which are what? Wordiness. Uh, I bop around like a Muppet, like not kind of like being still and in the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah just um, just a lot of poor, uh, like uh, wordiness is my big one going on, like all, like my vocal tics, nervousness. Yeah. 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 All those muscles. Yeah. So so you keep up with stand up. How often do you do stand up? Good question. It varies a lot. Though. Yeah, it I mean, feels like you're always working. Yeah, I last couple of weeks I went out every night. Yeah, and did a couple of shows at least. Last night was one show, which was. Yeah, it's because actually I thought I might be out of town, last night, so I actually got rid of one show because I thought I and then, anyway. So, and are you writing too? <laughs> or like, are you changing your jokes over? I am. So yeah. how often does that? Because sh- I know that like that takes a lot of time. Yeah, and a lot of I do a energy. lot. I do it a lot. Like you go out at nine, ten o'clock at night to go and do these sets. I know it's exhausting. I'm so tired. That's the oh, I I'm don't do so you know there's tired. an ad campaign somewhere in the underground here where it starts with um, I'm so tired, and then I keep reading, but it really doesn't tell me what they're selling. It just says I'm so tired. I'm I like, know. I, I get like, it. Yeah. No, I'm tired. But this is the way I'm trying to think. It was that this was actually my philosophical New Year's resolution, which makes almost no sense because I wasn't like I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I mean, I like doing that too. But my yeah. philosophical New Year's resolution was, can you turn the paradigm in your head that all of these things you do do not take energy from you, they actually give you energy because they are things you love pursuing? Is that possible? I mean, 100% <laughs> it is. 100%. And truthfully, you probably do see that. Like, you do your stand-up and at the end you're like, that was great. The walk to that's the, what the problem subway is. to the that's thing what the is problem exhausting. is. Exactly. The walk to the subway, the subway to the thing, the thing to the thing. That. Teleportation. That's all I'm saying. You know what? You know? I was thinking about this yesterday. It was like with all of our strides, all of our strides in technology, transportation has not really. No, gone I mean, the next it's pretty level. great in New York and in Toronto, Los Angeles. It sucks, but. There Although just feeling. more people Skype in, I guess. Yeah, but like but. when it's a blizzard out and you're like, I'm going to go do my. I know, and New York has been so cold recently, yeah. and that sounds like ridiculous, you know, um, complaininess. But it is... Which is a 20-year-old, you're like, I'm going to go do it. And then 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you're like, here I go. I know. I still love what I get to do, so I, I want to keep I, doing it. Yeah. But yeah. I'm navigating a subway. And then navigating a baby into And then the navigating hole. a like, baby. And was that... I mean, that wasn't part of the plan. I read that that wasn't always part of your like, was never part of vision the of yourself. Never. Matter of fact, I talked about it candidly with all everyone I knew and joked about it on stage that I had made the choice that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I almost think we spoke about that. I don't know why. But I remember when you were going to New York, you were just like, I'm going to take it over. And, I'm, and I was like, how is she going to do that? But... Now, with a baby, mm-hmm. what's that world like for you? Yes, yeah, way more complicated. Yeah, yeah. Way more complicated. Well, you must be a really great team, you and your partner. Uh, it's a struggle. I mean, I think we're a great team, but it's a struggle because yeah. we n- have never had 
to have this kind of project together. Right. So, and it's a little bit different than a, you know, even an apartment or a... Babies are harder than a party or whatever. Like, this is a very high risk, super impactful project that you can't, I mean, you can't just not work on for one day. You can't just be like, I'm not going to do our project today. Yeah. Can I pick it up next Wednesday? It's like, no, you got to do it all the time. So it is a struggle and we have to work really hard at figuring it out. Yeah. And it changes so quickly when they're really young like this that you're constantly reevaluing three. So you're always changing how you're doing the project because in the beginning, it's just keeping it alive. And, you know, as it moves forward, it's more about like sculpting the behavior and the how to live in this world yeah and like you know what is too much and how how do you give without overdoing it and not spoil but teach and things i am totally unprepared for complicated yes and jokes how are his jokes well interesting you say that um supposedly yesterday in preschool he's three years old he Uh goes to a little preschool uh, they were reading a book called Hector the Collector. Sure. The guy collects stuff. Don't know it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Pick it up. I'll pick it up. Yeah. yeah, pick it up. Make sure you get through it. It's memoir. Yeah. And uh, they were like, what do your, do, do you have any collections at your house? Does oh. your mommy or daddy collect anything? Yeah. And supposedly my mom, my little Lucas said, yeah, my mommy and daddy collect wine bottles. Okay. And then there's a phone call from the school. <laughs> going, Is everything okay at home? And so I heard oh, that. That's funny. From, uh, he's got jokes. That's his first joke. I was like, does he know what he said? No, that's like, he's he's tapped into his authentic that's truth. That's amazing. Right? I was like, wine bottles. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, my first question is, what did other kids say? Yeah. Because I really hope one other kid was like, a bong! Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Just a beer cap from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, although I could always parlay it into, yes, we are wine collectors. That's right. <laughs> Instead. He's meeting our cellar, obviously. Right. His playroom is right near this wine cellar. That's right. So then now you you must do a constant um, prioritizing. Constant prioritizing. How do you do that? Like, I feel like I don't have kids and I'm stretched thin and I'm yeah. constantly going, what do I say no to today? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was talking about this with someone last night and because it is. No. I know it's my impulse never <laughs> to say no. It's also, also how I feel like I built my career was yeah. always saying yes. Yeah. And that's how I built it. And then you get to a point where you're like, that should not serve you. And it's also devaluing your work to always saying yes, because then if you're super just, you know, available. available. But why do you think we never say no? Because we're women. Yeah. And And because of the scarcity model that we talked about earlier, where it's like, what if I do poorly at this? I'll never get a job again. So you're working in a scarcity model at all times and that you're a woman and that makes you a people pleaser. What's the uncomfortable part? Saying no? I think or having time for yourself. Sometimes when I have a little bit more time. <laughs> yeah. It's like I haven't found the balance which may never exist. Yeah. Cuz I feel like I either have not too much time, there's no such thing. No. But it's like I wanted to be more like um productive. Like I you're can't decide if so I want to do, like I, I can't figure out what the balance is. So I can't figure out if it's like, do I want to work really hard for two weeks then have like a slow week? Yeah. Or do I want it to be like Constant. every gig, every week I do four nights out, three nights in or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I did a, as a comic and as someone who hustles entertainment, you probably get this. It only occurred to me very recently the concept of like, oh yeah, weekends. Like everyone needs to take a weekend, yeah, right. whether it your weekend's Tuesday, Wednesday, or but you can't just go balls to the wall seven, seven days, days a week. A week. Yeah, you're just not going to be creative. Yeah, 
And I do find when I give myself time off, then I start creating again. Yeah. But when you're just in the chaos, you can't do it. There's no space for it. Yeah, there's no room to refill, right? Yeah. So what do you do to refill your creative tank? I mean, I have to take time off. But I also yeah. have to remove myself from the office, from completely the home? yeah like, yeah what's your what's your routine like what do you what do you do that at the There's end you know oh, I feel better oh I mean just sometimes if I if I honestly have a day that I'm not expected in the office yeah the dream is honestly a day that I'm not expected in the office it's a weekday that I'm not expected in the office <laughs> I didn't book 10 shows at night right and so I have this time my my kid is in school and has care. Yeah, and so I have his wine bottles. Everything he's counting his wine bottles. He's cool. Yeah. Uh, and so I have this chunk of time of no one being around. Yeah, and no one, and I do not check the email. And then what do you put in that time? Do you just sit I write? There? You write. I write. I'll go to the gym. Yeah, like I'll do things for me. It's, yeah. People say, like, get a massage. I actually find that uh, incredibly non-relaxing. Yeah. I can see getting a massage in, like, day seven. Right. Relaxing. But day one, I'm like, hi, how are you? How's your day going? How, do you like this massage? How's that? Like, it's not relaxing no. to me at all. You have your cell phone underneath the face pad thing. Yeah, I just can't get there. Good. So, really, it's just that time walking. I mean, I'm saying all these things that people know, but really just... If, when it's nice enough, you could just walk around. I mean, it's things that you, you should know, but... Like, if I have time off, I'm like, what do I fill it with? Yeah. Like, oh, I've got that thing that I should have done. And sometimes, honestly, the best thing for me is, like, organizing something. Yeah. Like, no, or that's... getting away from my computer and doing something yeah, physical. Yeah, I feel or... really overtaken by emails. Yeah. And so, sometimes when I have the wherewithal, I'll be like, no, just take five minutes and flag. Take the little flag. Yeah. And flag everything that needs an immediate response. Uh, and then I'll look at it and I'll be like, oh, this is not that big of a right. deal. Like, I think I also am very good at overblowing yeah. or blowing up in my mind who really needs an immediate answer. Yeah. Uh, I also, anytime I email someone an immediate answer in the email back, thank you so much for getting back to me so quickly. I'm like, well, that was a mistake. Right. <laughs> right. I could have taken another day with that one. Yeah. 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 Like, what is everybody else doing? And the truth yeah. is that many people are not, they're dropping the ball. Left, right, and center. I know. And so if you could, you know, I so not everything has to be a minute one chaotic fire that you have to yeah. respond to. I've trained very people hard. around me to expect it. Yeah, it's it's that's what you do. Right? You're like, you're basically, it's like training an animal. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to tell She'll you. She'll get back to me in a day. Have, that's right. Yeah. 24 I hours. I should give it like a good two weeks. She's a two week return person. That's fine. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I do get to people back, back to people very late and I'll say I'm sorry. Always. And they'll be fine. Yeah. No, it's life's busy. Yeah. So what changed for you to um, bring, like, a baby into the world? Because that's, like, the Mentally? Yeah. Like, not into the world, like, oh, this is such a crazy world, but, like, into your life. Because it seemed like you were, like, working, doing stand-up, you know, NPR, everything's happening. Yeah. And that seems like the most random and most chaotic thing to add to that mix. Sure is. Yeah. I mean, it was a... I think it was a number of things that just happened to all come together. Mm -hmm. One was, you know, I would really say it was not till maybe like 40 mm -hmm. that I honestly started thinking about it. But I didn't, I'm so pragmatic. It was just a, a, a feeling, an emotion. When I put any time and thought towards that emotion, uh, like a bi I would say biological clock, but it was kind of late. <laughs> Bi 
psychological clock yeah, thing. Yeah, maybe it's on snooze. So, yeah, yeah, maybe. So, uh, but from a pragmatic point of view, I was like, I can't afford this. I live in New York. Where I would this, you know, and then the I would just. I would just stifle it. Yeah. I'd just be like, uh, and it would go away. Yeah. And then it would come back. So there was like this slight yearning. And I think uh, what ended up being coupled with that is that I wondered how would I, like, I know how I feel about this now. Am I going to feel this way in 10 years? Right. And will it matter? And then I knew from talking to other people that they would say, who were older than me, they would go, well, you know, yeah, who didn't have kids, they'd go, yeah, well, you know, sure. At times it felt more intense. And then there was a certain point where it ended. Right. Like, and then I just, I have a great life and this is what you do. Right? Yeah. Of course, we're, this is what we all do. We just, we take what we have in whatever case and form and make a good life yeah. out of it. That's the, that's the hope and dream and goal. Yeah. So that was happening. So there was a little bit of a seed there. And but your partner I, was on the same page? Yeah, we didn't talk about it too much, but I think he he was much more like when I met him, he was he was like, Oh, I love kids, I've always wanted to have oh, okay. kids. And then as our life moved on, he sort of got on board with me about like, wow, we have a great life and yeah. you know, we only have so much money. Money was like a factor too. Just resources, money, space, like sure, this is what it is to New live York. in New York. Jesus. Like what can we actually what kind of life could we actually give? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the NPR job came, he got a, we were in a, the most financially stable position I have been in right. my life, which probably isn't not saying much to the rest of the world. <laughs> I mean, you have an office three days a <laughs> week, so that's a lot more than a lot <laughs> of people Nothing. Can say. Um, and then I, you know, I had a, I got breast cancer. I had a right. life threatening, actually, that's not true. It was not life threatening. I want to make that but very clear. But the thing is, like the word cancer makes it. Like, yeah, I had melanoma, and it's mm-hmm. it was so, it was like a small C cancer, but still enough to shake your world up. Shakes sh- totally shook my world yeah. up, and I had surgery and radiation, and it was a year and a half of my life yeah. and Sloan Kettering and emotional upheaval like yeah. no other. I hope I wish it on no one. Yeah, uh, were, were you able to be funny in that year and a half? What I performed constantly it was a great distraction. Yeah. I I actually I did not write any new material. I did only what I knew was knew. Like, yeah, because uh, I was really stuck. I was so stuck emotionally. But I loved performing. I've always loved performing. But I loved being on stage because it was my space to control. It was a it was a not reality, mm. and me talking about the person I was, the jokes I did before, reminded me of the person I used to be, and I didn't know who I was right then or who I was oh, going to yeah. become. Uh, and it was I never wanted to get off stage. Yeah, I never wanted to get off stage. Also, like a vision of who you were gives you a vision of like your strength to come. I guess Maybe. so. I don't know if I looked at it that way. Mine. So, uh, although people have said that, I remember someone at Sloan Kettering, I was just falling apart because I, I had like one diagnosis and then another diagnosis and I was just so like, is this ever going to yeah. end? Like what so out of control, happened? Right? Uh, and this woman who was a, uh, I think she was a tech actually there. She said, find, it's so weird. Just randomly, she was like, find a photo of yourself where you look like really happy. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and remind yourself you will you will look like that again. And that's, yeah, you know what, that it goes back to your Barbie, <coughs> your Barbie dream house story, yeah. right? Of like, the finding, yeah. right? Like the, the thing, I mean, it just, I'll 
just the fact that you had a vision of something. Yeah. When she told me that, I was super mad. I was like, shut up. <laughs> you know. Not into it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, it was, a, I mean, I wrote my book during that time too, because that's just happened to be when it got sold. Yeah. Uh, and that was a godsend because that was really, it was a comedic memoir, you know, and it started in the past. So I was also writing mm. just completely, I had to get in the mode of thinking about the past and anything that took me out of where I was, was like healing yeah totally healing yeah uh and after all that was over and after i got my feet on the ground um i did have unprotected sex with my husband <laughs> i mean oh tomorrow God. a great joke from laurie kilmartin uh who's a fantastic comic you know she has this great joke because she got pregnant a little bit older and her joke was you know people are like well what were you using as birth control and she was like my age <laughs> so like why did we have unprotected right. sex because we had unprotected sex we're sort of like well, yeah you know yeah. Come on now. It's not you're not twenty. Not twenty. Yeah. And I just been my body has been through hell and back. Right. That's how it felt. And uh I got pregnant. Uh I miscarried, which brought on its own whole oh my God, other what a what a <laughs> five like a five year span? Like what a chaotic yeah. time in your life. Yeah. And to create at the same time. Hey, here's a at the end of that chaos, I did this book. I crazy. That's yeah. amazing. So but then after that so that that first pregnancy was pretty spontaneous, but it really did change my point of view because I was I think my body I thought had um, betrayed me, and then when I got yeah. pregnant I was like oh maybe my body is not betraying me yeah and then I miscarried and I was like my body is betraying, is betraying me, me. Yeah. make up your mind body uh, and fortunately I had a very good OBGYN who is thoughtful and caring and has excellent bedside manner. And once we sort of got to the end of, cause I had a, a, a weird miscarriage. It's just a genetic anomaly that as they say, bad luck, but it just meant that they thought maybe there was some not great tissue growing in my uterus. So I had to get, give blood every week for six months oh to make God. sure not weird tissue was growing in my uterus and Potentially a tumor. Oh my God. It was the darkest. Like physically exhausting and mentally. Like every time oh, you're getting right. blood going, what are you going to find? So, oh, it was just yeah. excruciating. Uh, but then got to the end of it, sitting in her office for like, where are we at? And she was like, okay, you and your husband, you try again. And I remember we just looked at each other like, we just want to like stare off for a little while. Right. Uh, but you know, and I was, I was even older then. Because time had passed, so she, you know, and I just made some quips about I was too old and this and that. She was like, well, do you want to go see a, like, why don't you see what happens? Yeah. Do you want to go see a fertility specialist? You know, let's yeah. talk about it. So we just sort of left and we're like, eh. uh, And then I thought about it for a while and I was like, oh, I got an egg count test. Okay. Blood test. Yeah. I was like, oh, another blood test. Let's do that. Uh, and... I got a number sent back to me in an email with a note from the OBGYN that just said, an encouraging number for someone your age. Right. <laughs> uh, and I, I cried because it was like the nicest thing anyone in the medical community had right. said to me in like a decade. Right, encouraging. Yeah. So then I, I actually, I asked Jonathan if he wanted to just try. Yeah. And I was like a total weirdo about it. I was like, well, let's just try for like a couple months. Yeah. Let's just try for three months. Yeah. Uh, and after a short amount of time, I I did get pregnant. That's like 
a huge success story. It's crazy. It's a it's a miracle. Emotionally that's, and that's like not, physically yeah. and everything. Everyone has a different path to it and yeah. And now you got this little wine. And then lover. I got uh yeah, and then I got a little wine lover. And then I got a kid and you know and I uh because I did it older and after these set of circumstances, you know, um I I do get people asking me, "Well, you know, would you've done it earlier like now?" Cuz yeah. of course I love this kid and it's sure. great fun. Uh, and they go, would you have done it earlier? But, uh, you know, it's like, that's such a weird question because I didn't want it earlier. I didn't yeah. want it in my 20s. I didn't want it in my 30s. Like, I just did not want it. Yeah. There was not a real part of me that was like, oh, no. this. I did not want it. So saying, would you do it earlier is like saying, would, I, would you have liked to have had a different life earlier? Right. Well, Doesn't make any sense. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, I mean... <laughs> When people find out my mom has dementia, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. I'm like, yeah, but it is what it is. Like, I can't change it's, it. It's just what it I is. I can't go back in a time machine. Like, you can't find a way of having a kid 20 years ago. No, and I didn't want it. So yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, that doesn't matter. It happened when it was meant to happen. Yeah. To sound like so ridiculous. But it's true. It, there was no other time that would have happened. So from the outset, um, it looks like you have it all. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the if you put yourself on paper, right? Sure. You're working. Uh, and NPR, Thank God. you do stand up, Thank and God. you're doing well, and you've got a book that's doing well, and you've got this cool little kid, and a pretty great team. Like, is there anything in your in your world that you're like out, out of balance? Because it's the constant search, right? Well, it's all finding. out of balance. Yeah. <laughs> but what's the thing? Basically, that you're like, if you really look at it, everything is like slightly failing. Right. Um, I really want to do this. I think. Yeah. I mean, I. I, I here we go, back circle. I have a solo show I'm working on yeah. that I'd love to stage. Yeah. But that's yeah. what fuels us, right? Yeah. Like, we're not going to stop wanting to create and that's we right. have to. Otherwise, I think that we'll die a little bit. Well, I, t- I try to keep coming back to this place anytime I'm wondering what I'm doing. Yeah. Because that still happens. I mean, I know what I'm doing, but I'm also, you know, sometimes you're like, well, what what are we doing? But thank God, because if Racing, you were as you race around. Yeah, you'd find yourself five years later going, oh my God, I haven't been happy for the last five years. Right. I haven't, like, looked into my soul going, do I, am I doing what I want to be doing? Yeah. And it's those moments of, you know, uh, it took a very long time. I think it takes a long time in anyone's um, stage performance career to have the, um, to have the courage to listen to the audience, to really hear how they are mm. taking it in. I mean, if you record yourself, it's obviously a lot easier. But also in the moment, you have to often listen to your audience and hopefully interpret it right so you know what's going on. Uh, but you also can listen to your audience. For me, like something like, oh, I, I, I did hit like a nerve or I did right. hit something that we're all interested in talking about that maybe no one is putting a lot of time and effort towards. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's like you have an IT mind for your <laughs> jokes, right? Like you're investigating these things going, wait a second, I went from A to B and it made C. And it did. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what is that? And how? Yeah. And there's other times where I'm like, I love this and everyone's going to relate to it. This is universal. Just falls flat. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's out. Yeah. 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 So do you, like you said, you're always a little bit like lacking in all the areas. Do you feel oh, like yeah. you're like underwater? Like is it co- yeah, constantly Yeah, sometimes underwater. Just... So yeah. it's more like... um um, it feels like boxing rounds. Okay. Yeah. Is there ever like, a time that you're like, we got this? That is a big mistake to ever <laughs> feel like that. That is a big mistake. Then something random. Yeah, yeah. You're happen. asking for it. You're right. That, that's very superstitious. You're right. No, but uh, you're very right. and I think that's actually very like like that's a Jewish cultural thing almost to be you know like that whole like oh. pa, 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 don't ever don't ever get to. 
um, you know, arrogant about how great everything is. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, it's not the most, <laughs> it's not a good positive mentality. Um, but anytime I feel myself doing something like that, but like, all right, but look at this. The next cell in my brain is like, shut up. Right, 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 right. But, you know, I, I do a lot of, because uh, things are chaotic. There's still like, I mean, there's plenty of problems out there. And there's plenty of things that I wanted that I didn't get. There's plenty of um, hardship around me. There's still illness and yeah. death. Of the world. You know, but there's, so I do a lot of, well, everyone's alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gratitude that everybody's alive. Everyone's alive. Yeah. Everyone's here right now. What, you know. We know we're going to make our mortgage this month. Right. And we know that everyone has a roof over their head and a uh, some food to eat. And I will be able to go on stage tomorrow. So, yeah, that's really the best we yeah. can do. Matt's mom used to always say, because he's Jewish, and she used to say, uh, don't let the highs get too high or the lows get too low. But I'm that like... That sounds like... Isn't that also the tagline for, like, Zola? <laughs> <laughs> celebration like do you ever feel like in that world of like we got this look our life is so great and no then, I don't like that no. I like a couple I like feelings of accomplishment yeah. though so like I like something you know a day happening and being like yeah well, this was, was good, good at, this yeah. was good about it yeah or you know ending a show and being like oh, I really figured this out or I went on stage with the intention of working on this and it did pay yeah. off or yeah. you know like a, a project coming to completion and feeling a sense of Closure. Yeah, but I, I guess I am just a little too superstitious. I get to like it. Sit back and be like, "Look what I have done!" <laughs> it's just the celebration Fleeting. that you are doing. Like I, I love, I love your brain so much. I think that you <laughs> do have the balance of that, but it's always like with a little bit of an IT mind as well. Maybe uh, you know. I mean, but I'm, I am really good at living in the present, even though I tell people all the time that it's the biggest torture living in the present. Because when things are not going well for you, you're kind of forced to live in the present. Yeah. And that's horrible. What's actually great is to think about the future. Yeah. Uh, and muse about like, what am I doing next year? What's my plan for this? Because you, that means yeah. like you know you're going to be there. Yeah. But being in the present can sometimes feel like a jail. But when I'm enjoying, sometimes I have moments on stage where I catch myself enjoying myself and I have enough, um, wherewithal in that moment to be like this is enjoyable yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes i'm with my kid and we're snuggling and i go remember like you'll never be able to remember this but like this is enjoyable yeah you know or i'm out with my uh i'm out with friends or my husband we're having a nice time we're having a good discussion there's a moment of connection and you know i try to i do try to notice it yeah well, you did. You said like your set last night was fun, and like you do. And it was when okay. you're going through, <laughs> well, like you see the the positive. There's like positive. when you were going through the cancer stuff, and you were able to go. No, I need to live on this stage. It felt right. Yeah, it, it was great. And... But you know, just because we started talking about the dumb subway and how it gets in the way of it, all enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, but you know, sometimes I, I also think like all, like notice every time the subway shows up because if all you talk about is when it doesn't, I love that. Then you know you're not really collecting the right amount of data yeah <laughs> the data. i love it i love that um okay we usually i usually wrap up by talking about anything that's inspiring you these days like if there's a book or a show or a movie or music that you're just really jazzed about what am i you know what what i just ate it up uh, and i'm waiting for them to come back i was really inspired by two television shows killing eve 
I just Keep love going. that. Tell me I know. Up, so dark like, though. Nobody's business. And just again, I like the thing. I mean, it's not this is not a perfect parallel, but there's a lot of women yeah. in that and they're complicated. I know. And, and I feel like it flawed. does it is flawed and they do a good job uh, of not being like, see how they're flawed and complicated? Yeah. It just lives. Yeah. Just lives on the screen oh, for you. I love it so much. Uh, I really enjoyed Barry. I, love I found it, Barry. and uh, I happened to um, know through comedy uh, this woman Emily Heller, who is a writer, and I, b- I believe help. You know, she's an executive producer on it, so whatever so that maybe means. A creator on creator, some level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she just won an Emmy for it. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that show. Great show. So that um, music-wise, random. One of my favorite albums of all time. This is so random. Is an old album by the band Talk Talk called Spirit of Eden. I love it's it. It's a really, um, malo- it's a very odd album. It all, But that Mark Hollis, who is the lead singer, died yesterday. Oh. So I went back to that album. And actually yeah. some old friends of mine that we all know that we love this album. And actually the guy who writes the New York Times Music Critic also said this is a great album. Just not many people know about it. Yeah. We all had a moment of like, it's one of the greatest albums what does that it's, album take you back to when you, when you i mean it was a very i think that album that album's gotta be um it's gotta be like mid 90s i think maybe even 93 94 so yeah very specific time yeah like that is where were you i was in college i was in calgary yeah I was in calgary at u of c okay before i switched and moved to mcgill Okay. I was in great transition. Yeah. But yeah, this is it's a weird album. Everyone listen to okay, it we'll and tell me what listen. you think. It's weird know. though. Don't expect I love it. Well it's random though. It's yeah, it's like random. Some people will never have heard of it. So it's Yeah, great. some people most people never have heard of it. It's one of his greatest albums and he just passed away. It's unfortunate. Uh and books. Oh my god, I'm not reading anything of I mean, I'm reading trash you? right now. Yeah. Because that's what I like reading. Yeah, because that's like a break. Yes. So what's the trash that you're reading? I read these like really like sort of um, grocery store detective novels. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I'm hu- a huge fan of detective like podcasts, all the mystery podcasts. I, not too dark though. Not too dark. That's right. I don't, I don't, I don't need that kind no, of No, I don't like real, I don't like true crime because I don't like knowing that kind of badness exists. I know. So I like the. But like what about a, like the Dirty John? John? Yeah, that yeah, right. Because that's, that's like he's he was awful. <laughs> awful. <laughs> what a horrible human being. But I was so intrigued by um, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I watch a lot of like cult stuff too. And I asked a friend, and I was like, "Why am I so attracted to cult stuff?" And she's like, "Cause you like community." That's <laughs> like, hilarious. But it, it's really like true. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, you know, the, all true crime is huge, right? Yeah, the podcast, it's huge, and, yeah. and it's all women that are consuming it. Is that all right? women? It's all women. Yeah, right? and I have wondered like. Are we studying our new masters? Maybe. Like, are we getting ready to be... Anyways, who knows? All right, finally, what's the um, piece of advice that you would give yourself, your younger self? Oh, piece of advice that I would give my younger self. Um, you know, it's, so my grade four teacher mm-hmm, wrote something super dark. I had this autograph book. When I was a little kid. As you did, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think now they have yearbooks in elementary school, maybe. Um, it's probably like an app. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> but I had a little a Snoopy autograph book. Okay. And I was getting everyone to sign it. Mm-hmm. And I remember what she wrote because it was weird and dark. And I thought about it. But now I see it in a much 
I don't I think she meant it dark now I see it in a much more positive thing she wrote your life is like the softly driven snow be careful how you tread it every mark will show oh, wow that's a that's a heavy thing to lay on a kid. <laughs> I know. Great have for a great it. summer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Enjoy. But I do I do think like there the the positive side of that is that I think you can like you know I would say whatever you're gonna have regrets whatever take stuff seriously don't take stuff seriously I feel like that's impossible to control mm-hmm. I would love to tell my younger self don't care so much what people think but whatever like that I can't control I still care what people think. It's a question I ask all the time, but it's also, it's sort of challenging because when I think of it for myself, I'm like, I don't, I would tell myself, just keep going. Yes. Because everything that I've done has taken me here and I'm like, who I am. So that's what I think. This thing of like the marks are going to show is really like, actually everything is going to build on itself. Yeah. So like, don't. I'm okay for those marks. Like, right. Have a mark or two. Yeah. Have a mark or two. You don't want to end up like at a certain point in your life. You're like, nope, still unmarked snow. Unmarked, yeah, it's markless. Like, well, well, then what have you done? Yeah, right. Yeah, so mark it up. Mark it up. I love it. Move forward. Please keep moving forward. Thank you so mark much. It up. Oh, you have no you. time thank in your you. life, and you've taken time for me. So thank you so much. Thank I you. really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's fun. I, I can't feel, wait to I share. I feel better than about me. <laughs> That's the best thing. Perfect. Excellent. Oh, thank you. And that's Ophira. Didn't you feel like you were just hanging out with us too in the NPR building with our cool elevators? Ah, yeah, it's a great building. Follow her on social media at Ophira E. And let us know what you thought on Instagram or Twitter, Firecracker DEPT. And let us know what you thought of the chat at Firecracker DEPT. Like, what made you laugh or what resonated for you or what made you go oh yeah that's totally me even if it is negative i'd love to hear about it how can we make this firecracker department better for you because i mean this is who we're doing it for you you're sitting at the firecracker table so pull up a chair and let's let's figure out how to make it better you can listen to ophira by searching ask me another on whichever podcast app you're listening to right now or listen live on wnyc radio you can see ophira in person in real life at her tapings of npr's ask me another including a midwest tour coming up and if you're in new york she's hosting the moth main stage on march 24th and taping her new comedy album oh my gosh sunday april 5th Get those into your calendar. She's a busy lady. Go see her. She's fantastic. Links for all that information will be in our show notes so you can keep in touch. And this month for Firecracker Department World, we've got, oh my gosh, we've got our weekly comedy department takeover on Wednesdays. That's in the Twitter world. And then new episodes every Tuesday. And then after show episodes every Thursday. That's when I get to talk about past episodes with our core team. And I absolutely love that too. So you can meet the core team, which is kind of cool. Our Toronto script department is launching very soon, so email us at firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com to get involved. If you have a script you want read, if you're an actor and you want to read, make sure you reach out to us and we'll get you in on that. And as always, the script department Los Angeles happens the last Sunday of every month at the Second City in Hollywood in the Brick Box Theatre. That's the last Sunday of every month. And March 29th, we do a theme every month. We're going to be reading historical or period scripts. So that'll be interesting. Insert period jokes here if you've got them. Okay, head over to firecrackerdepartment.com for details on all our events and all the ways that you can get involved. We'd love to have you there. There's always a chair for you at the firecracker department table, and we just got one better because you're here. Thanks for coming.
Thank you so much to my big firecracker team. Oh my gosh, I couldn't do any of this without them. Here's the team that are in LA. It's AJ Edmonds, Farah Marani, Emily Churchill, Monique Madrid, Camille Adams, Jordan Giddens, Deanna Moffat. And then in Toronto, there's a whole other chapter. And those are Joanne Boland, Anna Gustafson, Veronica Martin, Sydney Nielsen, Laura Lee Damaccio, Winnie Wong, Naomi Wright, Chelsea McKenzie, and Sarah Bowden. And don't forget about our UK chapter. We've got Vicki Breer over in England, and she is staying up late because of the time zones and helping us build our community. So thank you. And we're just getting started. There are people joining us all the time and we're lucky and we are better off for it. So thank you so much for all the folks that have reached out and said, hey, I see what you're doing in the firecracker department and I want to help. Thank you. Maybe some of you are thinking, hey, I'd like to get involved. I really would love that. So why don't you go on over to our website, see what we're doing and see what part kind of jazzes you. It could be something in the comedy department, the art department, the script department, the red point department, where we celebrate aging in the arts. Uh, just go on over to firecrackerdepartment.com and check us out. And then drop me a line at firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com and let's chat. Go over to Instagram or Twitter at firecrackerdept. And while you're online, cause who's kidding who we're online, all the time why don't you go over and give us a little rating and review because it really helps us keep bringing these podcasts to you and keeps building our community it really does we know that you have two ears and there's a lot of things you could be listening to so we really appreciate that you're choosing firecracker department and we just got one better because you're here see you next time on the firecracker department everybody 